Be clear on the end goal. Be clear on the mission at hand. Because if you introduce unnecessary anxiety that is not based on reality, yes, the pandemic is causing problems, things are changing, but it doesn't mean that the sky is completely falling out. You're listening to In the Hour with Lolly Daskal and Jared Nichols. Lolly, it is good to see you here on a Tuesday. <laughs> hey, this is, a, this is an exciting topic for sure. Uh, because it's one that I think pretty much everybody, at least right now, everybody can relate to. And that's this idea of working remotely. Now, I do want to set this up by saying we're not going to have a conversation about the same old talking points that every business writer out there has to make about working remotely as a result of being in a pandemic and all that. We want to really dive deeper into what makes somebody successful when they are working from home or working out of the office. And I know for me, I, I have some thoughts on this one for sure, since this has been the majority of my work experience. I know for you in the same way. So so let's kick this thing off. Lolly, you you were having to deal with this from a leadership perspective on coaching your clients to, you know, how do they deal with a workforce that has to operate remotely? So why don't you start this off and I'll follow your lead. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure to be with you, Jared. Our conversations are always exciting and be prepared, everyone. Most likely, I would have worked with something for over three decades and Jared will come along, come along and turn it on its head and make it into completely something else. And I'm looking forward to that again today. Definitely. I love to just take it and destroy it and remake it. You know, <laughs> it's all about me. <laughs> That's why I think you're so brilliant, and I love spending time with you and having conversations. Oh, we never know where it's going to go and where we end up. Yeah, yeah. So if we're going to be talking about working remotely, and that's the conversation for today, it's not a new concept. People have been talking about it. Organizations have been talking about it. Leadership has been talking about it for a very long time. But the pandemic made it a reality. The pandemic said, okay, if before we were thinking about it, now we actually have to do it. If you think about an organization like Google, 45% of that organization is virtual. Spotify, they were doing like a hybrid before the pandemic where it was, some of it was remote and some of it people were coming into the office. But as of March, 2020, everything became remote. 100%? And 100%. And they're talking about that's the foreseeable future. Even Amazon, if you think about Amazon, they have now listed on their website 250 virtual jobs. So they're also looking to transition. I mean, that's a different organization, and I'm not sure how they're going to work it out, but they're still moving in the direction of this remote work, this virtual reality of where we are not coming into work. Not everybody's no. coming into the same space all the time. No. So the thing is, we're talking about companies doing it, right? We're talking about big business doing it. And the question is, can local governments do it? Can a law firm do it? Can a healthcare practice do it? And other businesses? And the answer is, I think, this is what I think, and then I want to know what you think. I think we can, but I think there has to be three very strong pillars in place. Do you think also that they can move in that direction if they have a strong foundation? Well, of course. Uh, you know, whether or not they can go 100% remote, I don't know. I think we'll figure that one out on this show. <laughs> right? We'll have all the answers, guys, by the end of this. So stick around. We'll have all the answers. <laughs> Absolutely. Like we always do. Always. <laughs> always. Yeah. So continue on. Keep, keep going with this idea. So I think it works if you have three things. Number one is if you start out with a very strong culture, if people know what your vision and your purpose is. Number two is that you have to have very strong organizational goals, right? You have to know what you're working towards. So even if you're working alone, isolated in your home office or wherever you are, in a coffee shop or wherever you decide to work remotely, you still know what you're working towards. And number three, you have to have the technology supporting the workers that are working at home. Because if you don't have the technology, then you can't really be safe, you can't really make it work. So between the culture, the goals, and the technology, that's the, that's I think is the pillars of what, I mean, there's layers and layers of how this really works, but the, I think those are the pillars. And 
as a coach and as a consultant, what I find is very important for me is always to continue doing research about, and the question that I always ask, what are other companies doing and what are they doing well and what is working for them and what is not working for them? So I'm just going to share some data that I think is important. Could be interesting, could be not interesting. But for me, I always like to back things up with studies and research so that it gives me a platform to then create best practices of what of where we're going into the future. Today, yeah. as of now, in this climate of what we're in, three out of every four CFOs that we've indicated that we've actually researched they themselves have indicated that they're moving all of their employees, they would like to, three out of four, to become remote. Three out of four. 20% of employees that we surveyed say they want to work from home full-time. 60% said they want to work from home three times a week. So you can understand the trend is moving towards people really wanting to do this. And there's a lot of benefits for moving in this direction. So I'll just name two. For an employee, it's really great to give them flexibility. They can be with their family. They can work from anywhere in the world. They don't need to be in an office. And for an organization, think about it this way. They save money on um, desks and furniture and real estate and all the things that come with having so many employees in your office. So there are benefits and values that happen. But the question is, at the end of the day, is your company the kind of company that has a strong culture? Have you really identified your goals that people can follow even if the leader isn't there? And do you have the technology to support it? Because there's a lot of things that can go wrong if you don't have it. So I think that you have to really ask yourself, are we the company that can really do this? Yeah. I I think that's exactly right. And I really like the way that you put that because it opens up this what a lot of people would consider a can of worms. I don't. I think it's a can of worms that needs to, that should have been opened a long time ago. But so many organizations are operating from quarter to quarter, which means that long-term goals are like real tangible long-term goals. Like we talked about in our last episode, that if you have that foundation that everybody can agree on, you know, it's a different context we're talking about. But that's also the goals and the vision. That's the culture of the organization. If everybody is clear on that, that the end goal is X, then the ability to adapt to a remote workforce is so much easier. Because you're not trying to uh, you know, say, well, how do we completely replicate all the office? And let's just be frank, bullshit that most organizations deal with on a day-to-day basis like hey let's uh we're gonna have a meeting to discuss a meeting to talk about the agenda for the next meeting it's ridiculous it's tons of wasted time i think a lot of people are, are recognizing how much time and energy has been wasted by going through those motions and so it forces people to get really clear on what their goals and their culture are if you have that then you can start to uh really maximize people's energy in a positive way that helps them to become more of a whole person, which is why you're seeing so many people wanting to work remotely. I can tell you from my own personal experience, having my kids who are in North Carolina, they're at least in Charlotte, North Carolina, they're going full remote for the first part of of the school year this year. And a lot of parents are unhappy with it. A lot of parents have pulled from public schools and the private schools are all completely full because they're going full back everybody's going back but i'll be honest i've got a six and a nine-year-old and being able to see them and watch them as kids you know on a more regular basis yes there are going to be difficulties of having them at home but i'm being reminded of how fast they grow up how fast things change and i'm realizing more and more like this is the important stuff because at a certain point they're not going to think i'm the coolest thing in the world they're not going to want to be around me and if, if we're moving 90 to nothing over unclear goals and objectives, we are missing out on the things that mean something in the long term. So I think it plays, this is a human issue as well. So uh, organizations and leaders of organizations, they have to first, as you said, be clear on their goals, on their culture, and then of course make sure they have technology, which is just a tool. Do you have the infrastructure to equip everybody on the team to help you reach those goals uh, in the most efficient and effective way. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And uh, being a mom of, I still call them children, but right now they're adults, it does go fast. Sometimes the day-to-day goes slow, but then when you look back, you go, wow, that went really, really fast. And before you know it, it's like almost like a blink. They're adults. And you go, where did that go? Um, But so cherish this time just because you brought up your wonderful boys Going back to what you just said, I think it's very important to understand that sometimes, and we're talking about kids, so I want to bring this up, and I do call it this system, by the way. You, you will change it. No, I know no, the name I won't of touch it. it. Um, when I work with my, with my clients, I call it the process of crawling, walking, and running. Before you can run, before you can walk, you really need to know how to crawl. And the idea is, is that When you shift to something new, when we decide to, if the idea is to go remote, if the the idea is to go remote, then what are the things that you need to do to crawl before you can run and be successful and be that organization? Are you willing to change my uh, little process calling crawl, walk, and run? No, no, I'm going to leave it the way it is. Leave it the way it is. Yeah, you're good. You're safe here. here. He's not changing it today. Not going to touch it, at least not in this first half of the show. So go ahead. <laughs> so let's think about the things that you need in an organization to crawl, right? Yeah. Number one is you need remote access, right? Mm-hmm. You need that employees should easily access all applications. They need to be able to get all documents. They need to have all the data that they need in order to be successful. I always say to my clients, make technology their best friend. Yeah. Make sure they have what they need. That's the first step, right? You're still crawling. The second thing is communication. This is big. This mm. is We can spend the whole hour in the hour podcast talking yeah. just about this, is about communication. Is that you need to have, if you have video, what kind of video do you have? What platform do you have? What do you have that supports that? Do you have the computer? Do you have the equipment? Do you have the camera? Do you have the audio equipment? People do not think about these things. I actually had to say to one of my CEOs the other day, is that you're having all these Zoom calls, but I noticed is that not everybody's up to par of where they need to be in their technology and the equipment. You need to send out an email and say, what do you need in order to succeed? He goes, can't they go out and get it themselves? I said, no. (laughs) This is an organization that takes care of its people. Send them an email. It shows that you care and that they're working from home and you will support them. Well, he got raving reviews because he got a whole list of things that people needed and he didn't even think about it. So make sure that you have everything that you need to support communication. Is it a chat? group tool? Is it cameras? Is it whatever it is, make sure that it's done. And then what you also need to have, and this is very important, people don't think about this, but I think it's important is to have a project management tool where everybody can come together and put down what they're working on and how they're working on it to say, okay, I'm working on this project and it's going well, it's not going well, because we're not in the same office and we can't be knocking on people's doors and we can't just talk at the water cooler. We are we are having to communicate, so we need a platform, we need a space of where we can talk about what it is that we're doing and we can track it. And I think it's also important to have performance management data-driven, meaning what are you working on right now? How will we measure it? What are the metrics that we know that you are succeeding? Because just to have a place of where you have projects is one thing, but to know that it's data-driven about performance and that we're actually checking in on it means we're going to get closure on things, meaning we will get things to happen. And the last thing, this is all about crawling, make sure that you have cybersecurity because that's all the sensitive information that you have out there. And we want to make sure that it is safe to do the kind of work that people want to do and they feel that they're protected and they feel that they have control and they feel that they're not out there in the abyss where people are you know, tracking what they're doing. So cybersecurity is very important. So if you think about it, these are the things that you need to do before we say, wow, we're an organization that is really walking and you know, running in our things. So these are the crawling things that I think are very important to mention. Yeah, these are great. And uh, so I have a few things to add to that. And I'm not going to change your process, I promise. We're going to stick with uh, crawling. 
But when we get to walking and running, I, again, all bets are off. You know, I, 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 I like to say I'm very adaptive in the moment. I will adapt, change my direction. You know, I may have said something two seconds ago, and I'm going to go ahead and, hey, you know what? I've, I've thought about that a little bit more. <laughs> but here's whatever you need to do, you be Jared. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. So, so this idea in the beginning, you talked about uh, making sure you know the communication, making sure people have all the right tools. If it's a chat. Uh, a forum, if it's, you know, video, whatever it might be, I completely agree a hundred percent. You know, one thing that I would say that leaders need to do before they send something like that out is get with the people. Cause how many CEOs are sending that email out that has not been created for them if they're going to send it out? Very few, right? It's usually going to be like their chief HR officer or talent uh, you know, or professional uh, development or whatever it might be, whoever's in charge of, of what people need. What This comes back to what you said previously about goals. A lack of clarity and understanding about what the end goal is can also create this ridiculous... Uh, there are people in organizations, and you got to have them. We like to say this is bureaucracy, this is why I've never worked for anybody because I'm just not hardwired to deal with this crap. So, but to though, but let me let me also say this to anybody who's living who is very organized and project oriented and bureaucratic and whatnot. I do need, still need people like you to help keep me on track. So I'm not slamming you in any sense. I do think uh, organizations' progress is often slowed by too many bureaucratic decisions getting in the way. That being said. Making sure before any communication is sent out that the end goal is emphasized and that each piece of technology or program that the workers need is tied directly to that end goal will help make sense to the people working from home so they can then, they can use their creative energy to help reach that end goal rather than just, I'm going to use my creative energy to rack up hours of busy work that may or may not really be moving the needle. This gets us to another area that we could maybe dive into more, and that is the fallacy of hourly wages. Now, I know it's not about working remotely, but let's go back on a big picture here. For us to be successful as a country, as you know, organizations, we really need to rethink the way that we are incentivizing productivity, the way we're incentivizing workers. The old model of hourly based wages has been antiquated for some time. It made sense on the assembly line, made sense in the Ford plants. It made sense that the more time spent on the assembly line, the more productivity should result. That is not the case and has not been the case for decades and decades and decades. So it's okay. Now's the time to start rethinking, hey, how can we incentivize people to the end goal and not incentivize them to spend more time? Because if their time is the value that we're paying them for, then we are unnecessarily extending the amount of time that it takes for us to reach the end goal. So that's one thing. We could probably talk about that in an entirely different episode. So goals and clarity around uh, you know, communication and making sure that everything is sent out helps them to understand why they're utilizing that. This, this helps them to be much more whole and happy and feel like they're contributing because that is one of the, the things that people have to realize, leaders especially, is working remotely has a lot of benefits, but there is a lot of isolation. A lot of people's social uh, interactions were at the workplace, so they have to understand the purpose of what they're doing and why they're doing it. This other thing you talked about here was about, um, um, oh, what was it? It was a project management tools. So this almost falls into the other thing here as well. Being, again, clear on the overall goals of the organization in the long term, like, hey, this is the end, this is the mark we're going for. A project management tool should also be tied to that because I can tell you from my own experience, as much as I, I dislike, you know, a lot of like the, the micromanaging and everything else, I do like structure because I need it to survive being ADD, right? You know, it's like, look, I got to have structure. I cannot be successful. Project management tools have a way of becoming the end unto themselves. So you must be really clear, otherwise it becomes a micromanaging nightmare. And whoever is a great micromanager is going to love these things to death, and you're going to drive your workforce insane. 
make sure that you follow this protocol of need to know. Get out of the process that most organizations are stuck in, which is let's CC everybody in the email because God forbid somebody who needed to see this long, exhaustive email isn't on here. And then they go to HR and now we have this internal fight and somebody's facing litigation, you know, all the kind of BS that a lot of people are afraid of. Just get really specific, follow a need to know policy, and that way you're not flooding the inbox of people or flooding the message board of folks who might miss something they actually need to see because it was buried under the mountain of crap they didn't need to see. So that's just a real crass and, you know, street level way of looking at it. So, yeah. <laughs> so you said a lot of things. I did. I, I went on for a while. Things. No, 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 no. I think it's all very important, but I also think it's important to dissect it a little bit because there's some really good things that we can talk about that can ha we can have some takeaways about if there are happening, what should we do about it? It's mm. one thing to name the monster under their bed. It's another thing to say, okay, now what should we do about it so we can come through the other side? Yeah. So you talk about the first thing you mentioned was communication. And by the way, Jared, that's the number one challenge that came up in my research that people have about working remote control. I mean, you know, oh, not oh that control. was a slip, remote control. We were controlling, no, I was kidding. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Working remotely. Working and remotely. so the thing is, it's very important to deal with this as a topic. It's very important to dive into it only because it is a problem, it is a challenge, and what can you do about it? I think that's what some, maybe some things we can talk about today that someone can have an aha moment and say, oh, I could do that and my life will get a little bit better. See, the problem is where before we were able to walk to somebody's office or we could um, have clarity within a second by just look, you know picking up the phone and talking to them and then maybe even you know seeing them later after work for a drink, we're not doing that anymore. And so these are th some of the things that I think we can do in order to improve communication. Number one is, I think we have to get clear when we communicate to do three things. Now, one, number one is, if you have an idea, I think it's important to outline the idea, identify the idea, and, th and talk about next steps. So everybody's on the same page. If you're collaborating, uh, and you need to communicate about the collaboration, I think it's important to create like visual whiteboards. It's important that it has all kinds of sticky notes that everybody who's talking, their ideas get, you know, heard. And I think what's important is, is that when you collaborate, you have to allow everybody to have a voice. You have to have everybody feel as if they're in the room with you and what they have to say is important. And the thing that is about this is no matter if you're working on an idea, it doesn't matter if you're working on a project and you're collaborating. These are four questions that I think are very important to constantly to keep asking. And I have been using these four questions even before we were talking about working remotely is number one is what's going well? Number two, what is not going well? Number three, how are you feeling about what's happening? And number four is what can I do to help you? I think it's very important to be able to ask those questions when you're working on something when you're communicating something and when you're working in a collaboration because I think communication can get lost and just because I'm saying something doesn't mean you necessarily understand what I'm saying and it's very, very clear to talk about these things that we're all on the same page and having a document where everything is in the same place, where everything that everybody said is communicated is a great way not to have miscommunication. Can I can I just say something real quick? And so that's okay. Oh yeah, no, I was just gonna say for anybody listening here, Lolly lives this. So when we started to put this podcast together, I, and I love it by the way. So this goes back to this: is that there was I set up either I can't remember if you actually set the folder up. I I said we need to set up a shared folder. I'm pretty sure Lolly beat me to the punch, set it up, and then started putting all these sheets, and it was, it was great. I was like, "This is this is excellent, so much." But it was all of it was on point. It was very clear, and it helped to ensure these exact principles. So I just wanted to throw a little plug in there that uh, Lolly definitely lives this. She didn't just come up with it or read it out of a book or write it in a book. <laughs> you know, this is a real thing for you. Yes, I, and I appreciate that. It's very very powerful. 
I might have written it in an article, you but it's something have. that I do live because this is what I found. If you find something that works, then keep doing it until it stops working. So I'm going to talk about something that I think you're really going to enjoy. And I found this to be, this is what I'm experiencing with my clients. And I know you're going to have a thousand things to say on this topic. So we talked oh, yeah. about communication. Right. You also talked about isolation, which we'll get to because I want to really talk about that. But I want to talk about personalities mm. because you talked about, you said something very interesting earlier. You said this is about, it's a human thing, right? And I have found um, with, since I went on lockdown March 3rd, I have been talking to my clients and there was a pattern that was emerging in all the calls that I was having with my clients. And it became very crystal clear. There were two types of people that were working from home. And I'm gonna discuss it in a very black and white way, but know that all of us fall, know that all of us fall somewhere, maybe in the middle. We're yeah. not maybe all on one side and we're all on another. But the thing is, there are two types of people. There's a segmenter and then there's an integrator. A segmenter is an individual that likes to, they wake up in the morning, let's say they wake up at 5.30, they have their coffee, they decide they're going to go to work. Now we're talking remote, so they go into their work office, wherever their work office is, they start at 7 o'clock, and they don't come out until like 5 o'clock at night, they've done all their work, and then there's another segment, now I'm going to spend time with my family. And so they spend time with their family, then they're going to go to sleep. Then they go to sleep and they wake up and they repeat the pattern. Yeah. Yeah. For anybody listening, I'd just like to apologize here. I have contractors. So you were going to hear a jackhammer and some banging from time to time. But listen, we're in quarantine for the most part. So, you know, just think of it as a little extra effect. Go ahead, Lolly. Pardon. Excuse that. It's music. It's, it's all music. Yes. So talking about the segmenters, they're all about keeping boundaries between their work life and their personal life. So that when they are working, they're not really having any distractions. Well, then there's the integrators. The integrators, they don't mind going back and forth. They wake up in the morning, they do a little bit of work, then they go spend time with family, then they go back to work, and then they go out for a walk, and then they go to work out in their backyard, and then they go back to work. And most likely you'll find those integrators working until midnight because they're answering emails all hours of the night because there's no differentiation between work and personal. Yeah. And so they're always constantly working. I also found an interesting thing is that the segmenters are usually introverts and the innovate, you know, the integrators are usually extroverts. They need to feed off other people's energy. So they give themselves distractions all the time and they go from thing to thing. And the thing is about that is, is that both of them are not thriving. Both of them are, ha I'll tell you what's having, happening to each one because um, I have clients that fit into both of these categories. My segmenter CEOs are burnt out because they have to do twice as much concentrating. They're not doing any self-care. And so they're exhausted by their work and they're exhausted by their home life and they're just burnt out. The integrators are exhausted because there's no boundaries. They're yeah. working constantly, and before they know it, it's midnight, and then they're getting emails from the segmenters at 5 a.m. because they went to bed early, and it just is, it's playing havoc. So both of these don't work. You can be a little bit of both, right? But as I said earlier, I'm breaking it down to black and white. So I think it's very important to recognize which one you belong in. Which one are you, Jared? Oh, me? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. Uh, I, you would think I'm in. You'd think I'm uh, working all hours of the night, but I'm not. So it, I have this uh, this mix between the two. I segment, but so I think we have to qualify this. So one is one is actual and one is aspirational. So the actual, uh, the aspirational is that I can segment a lot better. Um, I am I am pretty disciplined. I am protective of my time. Uh, I do best when it's quiet. And again, I have a six and a nine-year-old, two boys, and they are rowdy. Uh, wonderful kids, of course, but they're boys. They're going to be boys, and, um, and that's just what it is. And uh, so I segment, but actually I don't, I'm not as productive 
in the morning. So I have this segmentation of from the morning to a certain time of the day. That's my time. What I find, though, strangely enough, and this kind of goes to the other part of the uh, of the integrator, is that towards the late afternoon, that's where my my greatest creativity starts to come. But that's also bumping right up against the time where it's hey, it's moving into family time, and I have a theory about this. So this is, this is a more of a personal thing. And I think other people probably deal with this because it's not always this clear cut. Obviously, you were saying you were simplifying this. Is that um, uh, from the time that I was little, as a kid going through school, I would procrastinate because I was waiting for the adrenaline rush. So I think we, we find ways to create the adrenaline rush to get the most productive out of a short amount of time, which goes back to what we were talking about earlier and this fallacy of, of uh, your time is what makes you valuable incorrect. It's what you accomplish that makes you valuable. Getting to the end result makes you valuable. If you say, hey, look, there's eight hours in the day and you're caught in this trap that you need to be productive all eight hours, you're, you're nuts. I don't care how organized or disciplined you are. Nobody's productive for eight hours. It's just not. But if you are, if you find those ways to create a high output in a short amount of time, then you've really accomplished a lot more than having a, a completely segmented block. At least this is the story I tell myself to justify my own behavior. <laughs> so, uh, but no, I'm not working late at night. I don't. Um, I just, I can't. I've got to have time with the family, but I also have to make sure I've got time for myself. So I have to work out, I have to ride, I have to do something to unwind from the day. But I say all that is that uh, my intention, my actual is that I'm more segmented, but the reality, um, or my aspirational is that I'm more seg segmented, but in actuality, uh, I'm integrating throughout most of the day. I will stop work, go do something else. I'll even go down and talk to my wife and say, hey, do you want me to go to the grocery store? Because I need to get out of the house. I need to get away from my computer. So yeah, that's uh, so in a you're nutshell, a I'm just a hot mess. Go you're ahead. A little, no, I would say you're a little bit of both. Like yeah. I said, we're a little bit of both. And the thing is, so there's two things I want to say about what you just said. You brought something to my attention. I learned something about you. So number one is, is that... We have to have self-awareness of who we are, right? We have to know what's our sweet spot. And this goes also to dear leaders out there listening and managers and bosses and CEOs is that you really have to recognize that each individual working for you is a human being that has a way that is their sweet spot of how they work and how they like to work. And you can't be, I have one client who actually is very interesting. He called me complaining two weeks ago. They're not as productive as they used to be. I go, well, they're working remotely. And he goes, who cares? They should be producing more. They have more time. I said, they're working harder than they've ever had. They're burnt out. He goes, what do you mean? And I said, let's, let's dissect your team. Let's talk about them as individuals, not as a group. What do you think this sweet spot is of this individual and that individual? And we went through each person. He's like, oh, OK, so maybe I'm expecting too much. It was just the idea of breaking things down for him to realize that we are human beings and we can't all be everything that we want to be. And having that self-awareness, like you talk about having your own self-awareness, is number one, very important. Yeah. yeah. But let's talk about best practices because I'm a big person about best practices, right? So mm -hmm. here we go. In order to really get the best out of who you are in both of these um, categories, personalities, you touched on something very important. I think it's very important that each individual do some time blocking, that you know when you're going to start and you know when you're going to end. And it's identified for yourself and it creates a discipline. You know in that time you're going to be focused. Mm -hmm. You also want to create a space where you leave at the end of the day. So if your desk and your laptop and your computer is in this particular space, don't carry your laptop into your bedroom. Yeah. Don't carry your laptop into your bedroom. Keep it where it is. Make that your space, which I think is also very important. And then um, it's funny, um, I say this, and it comes from what I've been seeing my clients do this. I was on a Zoom call and everybody's wearing a really nice shirt on top, and we were ending the call, and I said, who here are wearing boxers uh, instead of pants? And everybody raised their hand. Yeah. So, right? And it was very funny because it was such a serious call, but wear something 
during the day, if you're on a Zoom call or a team call, dress up a little bit, make it like you would if you as if you were going to work. And it almost tricks your mind. This is my work mode. Then when the call is over, I can take it off and be more casual within myself. It's it, these are the little tools that really help you decide and to give you boundaries, not to become this all encompassing working burnout human being. Like Jared says, I need to go to the grocery store. Well, you know, if he dressed up for maybe our podcast call and no then took it off, he would have that little break. He wouldn't have to run to the grocery. I'm teasing you. Yeah, I'm no. teasing you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Another thing is, which brings us to the grocery run, leave your desk and your laptop and go out for a walk. Breathe in nature, breathe in the sun. Today here in New York City, we're having a storm. Go out and get the rain on your hair. I don't care. Just take a break from where you're at. And so when you come back, you're more focused, you're more productive, and you have more clarity. And guess what? When it comes to weekends, really shut down. I'm terrible at this. I work seven days a week, 24 hours. Uh, for me, it's work, 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 because I love what I do. But I think Jared is really good at this. I write him all these crazy emails on the weekends. He doesn't look at them until Monday or Tuesday. And I think it's really great. And I have to learn this. Uh, Jared, I have a lot, I've learned a lot from you. But it's very important to make the weekend sacred and to take time off. So these are the little things, nuances that we could do that create boundaries so it doesn't matter which personality you're in it can work what do you think no i think you're absolutely right and i I have to make a confession i'm not always good Uh, i think i've given lolly the uh, wrong impression that i've got my weekends on complete lock my wife would absolutely disagree i i tend to i keep the weekends sacred for me meaning that if i'm working on my stuff then yes. But my wife would say, you, you ought to think about just having a day where you don't turn anything on. I was like, that's actually probably a really healthy thing. So, I, you know, there's a good chance I may uh, start to incorporate that, but maybe not anytime soon. We shall see. So I want to go back to something you said here. Um, number one, the idea about dressing is so funny. I just started to have flashbacks of when I first started my professional career. And this is, oh man, back when I was uh, uh, an insurance broker. So it's out of college. This really, and I, my first, when you started to say that, I thought, ah, oh, you know, that's, that's nuts. But then I thought, no, no, no. A lot of people working remotely, this is their first time actually doing this. It's very much like how I was when I first got started out of college, newly married. And I'm working for myself and I didn't have an office. And so in order to put me in that zone of working from home, I would dress like I was going out to see a client. It actually worked. Now today, I, full disclosure, I get on even with my clients because I just have that relationship with them. Most of them are all decision makers. You know, they're executives. I will show up in a t-shirt and so do they because we don't give a shit. We're just like, hey, look, we, let's just be real here. Nobody's going to dress up for a Zoom call. But for, for individuals who are working that need those things to create familiarity, it is actually quite powerful. I remember how it helped me a lot because it forced me to making that that uh, distinction between I'm physically at home, but I am at work. And then at a certain time of day, I would change out of that, jump into my Lycra and go out on a group ride. And uh, yeah, you know, that's another podcast for us. So I think that's number one. I think that's wait, wait, great. are we going to talk about the Lycra? Or the, the Lycra. Yeah. What's full on. I'm telling you, Lolly. Yeah. Back when this is, this is before kids, I was racing. Um, and I always had to qualify. Uh, I paid money to suffer, so I'd go. So I was an amateur. Unlike my brother-in-law, who was a professional cyclist, he got paid to suffer. So those are the distinctions, and we're all, you know, we all suffer in one way or the other. So yeah, that was uh, that was where I spent. That was my other uniform. But I want to jump back to something here, and this is about um, the story you told about your client, who was like, "Why aren't you know they need to be more productive? They need to do all these things. I mean, they're working from home, and you had to talk them off the ledge here." I think this is really important too to recognize is to is to slow down and recognize that uh, the pandemic, for example, which we're going to be in for a while, the pandemic creates unnecessary panic. It's it's necessary panic saying you have to shift gears. But as leaders, and I get this running my own business, I'm sure you get this as well, Ollie, is there immediately becomes the sense of I need to put in double time to get out ahead of this when we don't even know what this is. It's undefined. So that extra anxiety that a leader will feel when everything is starting to change because of the current environment creates unrealistic expectations 
and it is exactly why we need to go back to what we talked about in the beginning here, which is be clear on the end goal. Be clear on the mission at hand. Because if you introduce unnecessary anxiety that is not based on reality, yes, the pandemic is causing problems, things are changing, but it doesn't mean that the sky is completely falling out. You have to be able to lead calmly because your anxiety or your calmness, your confidence will trickle down throughout your organization. They are going to respond to how you're responding. You have to give them that sense of confidence. Breathe and say, what is really happening here? What needs to be done? And how can we simplify and clarify our end goals so that everybody can focus and stay calm and not revert to their lizard brain and start panicking and doing a bunch of busy work and afraid to say they don't understand or know something because of the anxiety coming from the top, right? So you just gave me an idea. Uh I think what you just said is so brilliant that I'd like to spend our next podcast talking about this topic that you just talked about, this panic. And what we can call it is how to lead through uncertainty with confidence, because you brought up so many great points that we would need the whole in the hour podcast to talk about that. So I'd like to table that for next time. But I think what you said is on point, on point. But I want to be able to, which I like to do, is to dissect that idea of panic and uncertainty. What is it on a human behavior? And then what can we do in order to ride the wave? So I think we should spend time on that on our next call. But for this call and in this hour, I think what's important is, is that, yes, I like the fact that you do agree. Thank God he does agree, yeah, guys and girls. You're lucky. Uh, you, you, about you got a lucky the, break there, Lily. <laughs> I know. The clothing does work. Um, <laughs> and yes, people are starting to think about things they've never thought about before. So let's talk about one topic that I think is important. You brought up earlier about feeling isolated mm. and feeling alone. That is a given when you work at home. Even if you've always been in your own business, you know what it's like. Um, Because at work, you feed off other people. You feed off of conversations and communication, but you don't have that working remotely. And you don't have that working, you have your wife like you talked about, you take a break, you talk to your sons, but it's not the kind of communication that you have with your colleague. And so two things pop up for me. Number one is, what do you do about the isolation? And number two is, most people that work in organizations that do not work for themselves, this pertains to them, is how does someone become, stay relevant and visible as they work remotely? Mm. It's one thing when you're in the office. It's another when you're not around others. How do you stay visible? And I'd like to talk about feeling lonely and staying visible, if you don't mind, because I think it's on people's minds. And I like to talk about what my clients complain about, and these are some of the complaints that they've been talking to me about, and so I think it's very important to, it's a real challenge, right? And I really believe every time there's a challenge, there's an opportunity for growth. Yeah. So, and I'd love to know what you think about it, especially when it comes to isolation and to um, loneliness. Mm -hmm. I think it's very important to Number one is to reach out to your teammates more than ever before and to have a separate chat where you just stay focused on, hi, how are you? What are you working on? How's it going for you? And I think that keeps you connected and makes you feel less isolated. Yeah. So a couple of thoughts come to mind from that. Um, And again, uh, some of my clients have done similar things to this. But I'm going to adapt it a little bit based on what you were saying. And, and full disclosure, this is not some idea that I, what I'm about to share that has been tested. It's literally just thinking about human dynamics. There's, I have clients that will, um, they will have, you know, once or twice a week, 8 a.m. non-work related coffee conversations with their team. Right. So if they've got multiple people in their organizations that are overseeing other people that are leading parts of, uh, you know, various teams, they've encouraged them to say, let's get together and let's have coffee right now at eight o'clock Mondays and Wednesdays. And we're just going to talk about whatever. Like, so they'll, and then they will they will delegate this out to one person on the team every week. It'll be different. 
say you were going to facilitate this conversation what, what should we talk about it could be anything it could be about what they're watching uh what you know what sport they're getting into whatever it might be it doesn't matter it's a the point is is that it's it is a non-work discussion now oftentimes these can be seen as superficial or oh well that's not really you know and again I think we have to step back. People that are wired like me, like Lolly, like a lot of our clients, you know, who are leading organizations, we're really, hey, it's like, hey, look, you know, uh, I don't want to sit here and try to manufacture a conversation, but we have to step back and say, you know what, other people actually need this. <laughs> so, so get out of your own way and let other, you know, and realize that other people need something. They're not as outgoing or outspoken as we are, maybe. And, that's, and so that's number one. I think that's key. Here's the thing that I think could be really helpful for leaders and organizations, and that is, um, create virtual teams that commit to like you know when we were kids we used to have pen pals you'd write to a complete stranger we'd write to a complete stranger overseas or somewhere across the country we'd have pen pals it's this great idea and we've stopped doing that think about it inside of your organization and this is why it's important is pair people up with people that they don't normally hang out with they could be across you know different uh, parts of the organizations they, um, because if you just let them pair themselves up with their friends, guess what? Most of their time together is going to be, uh, it's going to be a bitch sesh. They're going to just be talking about what they don't like. They're going to be talking, you know, it, it's not going to be something that really helps them grow and pushes them. But if you put me with somebody who is not like me, it forces me to engage in a completely different way. And it triggers parts of my brain that, that, uh, that, um, usually leads to more creativity uh, it forces me to think about things a little bit differently. And you're really just creating friendships. You're creating connections like a support system. So that's the one that I, I have not heard of any of my clients doing. I think that just on a human level, it could work. It worked for us as kids having pen pals. Um, you actually start to care about these other people. And so now you have some accountability to check in on a very human level with somebody who you normally don't associate with. I think that could be a very powerful and unique uh, uh, experience for people in the organization. So here's a little secret, Jared. Mm -hmm. We have that. That's what we do now in organizations. It's called the buddy system. Oh, man. So you're brilliant. You Thank see, you. You're onto something. Should we just stop on the brilliance work. piece? This is great. Like, just let's let's sit on that one. Tell me I'm brilliant again. That'd be really good. If you Very just, brilliant. Thank Very you. Brilliant. We Thank do you. have this. Since the pandemic started, um, I created this thing called the buddy system within organizations where, where before you were only working with your team. Now it's more of a cross function. It's in another department. It's getting to know someone. It, and I said to them in this buddy system, you every single time you connect, you have to learn something new about that person that you didn't know before. Mm. And, it, and it's not about work. It's about really getting to the layers of that individual of knowing who they are. And the second thing that you talked about is getting on and having coffee. We call it coffee clutch time, where we get together in the morning. It's like having a cup of coffee before you go to work. It's just checking in. And it's like, and the, it's open-ended. Um, in one organization, we have this thing where we go around and we say, just say one word that describes your feeling, like, you know, depressed tired, exhausted, right? So it we get all 25 folks to say that one word. And then we give room to say who wants to have the talking stick. It's a virtual talking stick. Who wants to elaborate on why they're so exhausted? And then we allow other people to be coaches to say, okay, this is a best practice that I do. I'm I'm also exhausted, but I tried this and this. So it seems like we're all in this together. So both of those, I, both of those ideas are brilliant because we do them, and research shows they are very successful. So, so you, good. Thing. Well, thank you. You know, and I always have to say that there is a chance that you have told me that before, and I just completely forgot, and then thought, hey, you know what? It's like it's pulled from the back of my mind, thinking, wow, this might actually work. When there's a good chance, if you've already been doing that, then. Uh, you may have talked to me about that weeks ago. So you know, we'll never know. But the thing that we can do I know elaborate? is it's a brilliant idea. <laughs> can I elaborate on what you – can I name what you just described? Sure. In, go ahead. When we talk it, about – No, ahead. no. This, this, is, this is documented. <laughs> okay. When we talk about intuition, mm -hmm. you just described intuition. Intuition is, is that we have all this information. I know we're getting off topic, no, no, but I think it's interesting fact here is that we have in our brain all this information that we've gathered. Maybe you and I have spoken a few weeks ago and I talked 
talked about the buddy system or the coffee clutch or whatever it is, and it gets stored. And then when a question is asked, we're almost like a computer chip. We go in and we go, well, what do I know about that information? What do I have in my database about that? And then you talk about it like very intuitively. Oh, I have this great idea. Let people get together and coffee and let them get together and have a buddy system and an interaction. Well, we had this conversation about the Medici effect and a buddy system a few weeks ago. So it got <laughs> stored in there. It got stored in there. So when we were talking about it today, your intuition kicked in because people always say, what is intuition? They, they falsely describe it following your gut. It's really about tapping into that computer chip in our brain, you know, that not real computer chip, but all those experiences and knowledge in our brain that we then pull up and say, oh, I have a great idea. Well, you had a great idea today. Well, yeah, thank you. And, uh, you know, thank you for sharing it with me a few weeks ago so that I could I could be uh, elevated in this moment. I appreciate that. That's that's why we work well. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just funny to, to hear you say all these things like, <laughs> like you were saying it for the first time. You know, yeah, I know, like, you know, this has never been tested. I have no <laughs> uh, this is completely just off the cuff here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, that's all right. Yeah, you know, it, it, I'm self-aware enough to know that I probably didn't come up with that one on my own. <laughs> this is what we talked about last week. Do you want feedback? <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm no. Teasing. Always take solicited feedback. No, we, we, we won't go back to that conversation. <laughs> right. Last week we talked about feedback, right? If you want to give feedback, but that's a conversation that everybody should be listening to because that in itself was a great conversation. But let's go back to our remote worker that is home, that is in need of connecting, and they might be suffering of saying, nobody sees me anymore. I'm working so hard. Um, I'm invisible. I get that a lot. I'm isolated and invisible. And so I think it's important to have also, besides this coffee clutch, besides this buddy system, do you realize that we're working harder when we work from home? We are working harder. We have to have these other systems in place so that what we want for ourselves gets formulated. So I think it's important to let other people know what we're working on. I had a conversation with a client this morning, early this morning, and he's like, oh, I sent this deck and I, it was very impressive, but nobody said anything. I said, did you tell them how hard you worked? Did you tell them what was behind the deck? And he goes, no, I sent it. Nobody said anything. I'm like, manage your expectations by telling people what you want from them. And secondly, it's also important to have a platform where people can ask questions and if you know the answers, you're the one replying so you don't remain so isolated and invisible. And this is very important. And it was important when we weren't working remotely. And I think it's even more important now. We have to have fun. We have to celebrate our wins. It's not only about being productive and accountable and responsible. It's also about did we accomplish something? Well, let's celebrate. Let's do something great about this. Um, it's interesting because one of my clients took it the wrong way. Um, I was thinking of it this way. Maybe there's not a wrong and right way. And it'd be interesting to what people think if I took it the wrong way. So when I said celebrate wins, which I thought was important, my idea was pay it forward. If this organization has a really big win, if we've done well, if we've reached our target, take what we've accomplished. Now pay it forward to those who need it outside of who we are. And this organization, um, it's very interesting. They gave it to administrator who their profile is ENTP, which is all about um, let's celebrate ourselves, let's give and let's do things for ourselves. So this individual went and sent these beautiful elaborate baskets. I think I'm going into too much detail, so I'm giving out too much information on the podcast, but <laughs> sent these elaborate packages to individuals because you did a great job and you won. No, it's not about you know giving back to ourselves. We feel good when we give to others. So if you have a win, where can you pay it forward so that others can have a win? Yeah. To give, you know, to keep slapping yourself on the back is great, but I don't I might be wrong in thinking about it. What do you think, Jared? Was I wrong where I thought let's pay it forward? Let's give it to those who are unemployed right now. Let's give it to an organization who needs it. I don't I might be wrong. 
I might be wrong. Well, so I think a couple things come to mind. Um, number one, uh, paying it forward and uh, helping to support those in the organization that need it most. It reminds me of the airbag analogy. You know, put your airbag on first before you try to help put one on somebody else. So if you are in a position to help other people, then awesome. You know, trying to serve other people and help other people when you are trying to survive, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So that's number one. So I do think there's, there's uh, I think that's a legitimate thing for sure. But the other part of it too is, it depends on how you define celebrating the wins. I know for a lot of leaders, and again, we go into personality types, people that are hardwired, A-type, one of my own criticisms that I've gotten from my wife and from my own advisors, people that I trust, they said, Jared, you've, you accomplished something really big and you just move on to the next. You don't even stop to celebrate what you've done. And I'm like, yeah, because I got to go on to the next thing, you know? And it's not because I feel like, oh, I have to go on the next thing. It's more of, I love the journey. I love the build. Once it's created, I'm like, meh, okay, cool. Now it's time to move on. But that's the fastest way to burn out too. So when I think about celebrating wins, I think it's also about recognizing hey, it's okay to slow down. We're not saying we're stopping and getting comfortable because we have these unrealistic expectations and fears of like, well, if I stop, then I'll get overtaken, right? goes back to that panic by pandemic, if you will. I'm going to coin that unless it's intuition. You've already told me this and I, it was from a conversation three weeks ago. Nonetheless, you know, panic by pandemic, you know, creates that sense of urgency that maybe isn't real. But when you do win, when you are successful in something, it is important for leaders, especially if you're hardwired this way to keep on building, is to slow down, even if not just for yourself, but more so for your team, because most people, they need to know, like, we did it. We did it. And then, yeah, just reinforce that with them so that they feel empowered to lead in the same way. Okay, so thank you for that. And this is a great way to even end this call because I think one of the great things is, you know, if we think about the podcast, if you want to sum it up, you just said something important and it gave me something to think about is that we need to take care of ourselves. Like you said, with the air mask, right? Or the oxygen mask, we need to take care of ourselves. So the question is, what is the self-care that we do as human beings so that we can be better for others? And Jared, yes, do slow down um, and tell yourself that you're doing great work because you do great work. And it's funny because you do go from one thing to the next, but you do everything to such a high standard. You have enormous amount of energy. I think you need that as fuel. Yeah. That's my humble opinion. And so you don't look at it as taking from yourself. You look at it as growing and expanding. But we all need to have self-care so we don't get into burnout because working remotely leads to burnout in the office. So Hold on, why don't wait, we just go back that, and forth about that. some things that work for us? Hold on, say that one more time, Lala. You froze up. You're saying just say what you were just saying there. So because for the folks listening, you were right in the middle of saying something important and then it froze for a second. Uh, you're talking um, about leading. Part? Uh, you were talking about the importance of self-care and it leading to burnout. Right. So self-care is very important because when you work remotely, you burn out faster than you would in the office. Mm. So what I would like to do, maybe to sum this all up, if we can go back and forth, what are some of the things that you found that self-care really works? I know for the two of us who are very driven, who work all the time, our list might be different than others, but this is a great place that even after people listening to this podcast, you know, after the hour is over to maybe <laughs> give us some ideas, we can learn from you. But what are some of the things that you do for self-care? Because if you've done a great work and you're celebrating, what would it be? Yeah, so I look at, in, look at it in two different ways here. Um, number one, I, I'm terrible at celebrating my own accomplishments, um, so I do need to work on that a little bit more, but when it comes down to self-care, what that, what that means for me is completely removing myself from work. Um, so for example, uh, the reason I work so much is because like you, I really enjoy the work I do. It gives me a creative outlet as well. And I love to build and to create, um, I'm just, you're right. It is like energy for me. I have to have that. So I have to, and what I've done recently for self-care is, well, just to sum it up, everything that I do has to have a purpose. Like the idea of going to the gym just to get in shape is so stupid to me. I'm not saying it's stupid for other people, but it's stupid to me. I'm like, I'm going to build useless muscle for what? 
What, so I can look better? Nah, not really. Like, it has to have a purpose. You know, like, even whatever muscles I build have to have some utilitarian purpose. Like, this is going to make me run faster, right? <laughs> you know, or I'm going to be able to accomplish a goal better. So for me, I, I had stepped out of the discipline of cycling on, I mean, when I was an amateur racer, that was my drug. I mean, I did that for so long. And this is before kids. Again, I would spend hours and hours training and racing and riding and because I just... It, it kept me anchored. Well, when kids came along, we were moving around a lot, moved from the insurance brokerage side of the business into foresight and consulting and coaching. I just went through a lot of changes and did not have the time to dedicate to that. And so you replace it with things that are not as healthy. Like, you know, hey, instead of getting a good ride in, I'll get a good three beers in. How about that, right? You know, that's like you start to find that's a little bit easier to deal with. So for me, what I've done recently is I've started training as though I'm going to race again. So I've been following a very structured training plan like I did from the old days and it's keeping me accountable. So this is the big thing. Self-care requires, if you're wired like this, you have to have an end goal and purpose and define it because I would not be motivated to say, well, I'm going to go ride my bike because I know that, well, I'm going to ride my bike, but if I don't do it for three more days, then I kind of lose what I already did and I can talk myself out of it and go crack three beers, right? So self-care, I think for a lot of people requires, define the purpose of it. I had to say, I'm not planning on racing right now, but I can still have a structured program that puts me back in that physical shape and gives me that anchor that I need because number one, I just always felt better. I'm going to go ahead and do that and set my own goals, make them relative to what it is I'm trying to accomplish because it has an effect that is positive in every other part of my life. So yeah, that's, that's that. it for me. Yeah, I'm pretty boring. So what I do for self-care is I exercise my mind. So as you know, Jared, so well, is that I try to read a book every day. That's my discipline. Mm. Only because I find that it gives me enormous amount of energy and it gives me something, um, knowledge I didn't have the day before. And so for me, every that's what I'm saying. Like self-care can be very individualized about who you are yeah. and what is it that you need to feel better about yourself. To me, reading a book is like taking a nature hike. Mm. You know, I, I explore new things. I learn new things. These days it's hard to go out because of the pandemic, but so reading has become even more important. But I think that yeah. between reading and meditating, and I always tell my clients throughout the day, don't forget to breathe, don't forget to breathe. And I do this discipline with them about breathing. So between breathing, meditating, and reading, those are my three self-care, top self-cares. Those are good. I tell you what, let's make a deal. I'll send you a bike, you send me a book, and we'll see what happens. You're sending me a Peloton? What are you sending no, me? No, 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 not that cheesy. Oh, let's all like, you know. <laughs> Peloton is our sponsor. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. Peloton's for people who want to feel like they're riding a bike. And don't get me wrong, they get a good workout. But no, I, I, I ride, my virtual rides are on Zwift. So that's where all the old men and women who are racers get on and we race each other virtually. And, uh, you know, we're really elitist about it too. So, yeah. So I think that's a great way to close the show out, Lolly. Um, uh, anything you want to leave the audience with, or are we good? We've we've surpassed the hour, but we I'm okay with that. Surpassed the hour, so let's leave them the with a the thought. All right, what's the thought? Let's what are you leave them with a thought to think about. I think that if you are leaning in to working from home and working remotely, find out what's your sweet spot and take the discipline and the best practices to become the best version of yourself. Yeah, and yeah. if your boss is hounding you to be more than you are, remind them gently about who you are, what you're capable of, and it's okay to have that co courageous conversation with your boss. You're pushing me too hard. I will get it done. I, and so it's important to keep that dialogue and that communication open. And with that, I think we're headed in the remote um, you know, working, working from home. I think that's the wave that we're working towards and it would be great to see what works and what doesn't work and always to improve on it. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's excellent. You know, just to add to, I th add to what you're saying about, um, having that hard conversation with your boss. Uh, I think that is important. One thing that people, if you do report to somebody else, one thing that is important to remember is that oftentimes your boss is almost certainly trying to take on too much. You know, if, if they're a, a really good leader, and I say good leader or, or say driven leader, right? 
oftentimes they're trying to take on too much. You coming to them and saying, listen, I want to make sure that I can be of, uh, I can support you in the best way possible. I want to know exactly how I can, uh, you know, what, what is the most important thing that you want from me and, and how can I help you achieve the goals you're trying to achieve? Just being straightforward with them to say, I know there's a lot of things that I do and can do, but I want to know right in this moment, how can I help alleviate some of that burden for you? If you're in a position to do that, have that conversation. You will be absolutely amazed uh, at what opens up because like Lolly said, you know, I mean, leadership is lonely at the top. Uh, leadership in isolation is even lonelier. So, absolutely. This was a great conversation. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you, Jared. Uh, thank you, Lolly. Thank you for listening to In the Hour podcast with Lolly Daskal and myself, Jared Nichols. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, I strongly encourage you to do that. And of course, if you know someone, friend, family, colleague who could benefit from this episode or from being a subscriber themselves, please pass this along. Also, leave your comments, your questions. We want to hear from you. We want to know what's on your mind and what you're thinking about in this time of change and, and what you want to hear more about. As always, thanks again for listening, and we look forward to being with you next week. Thank you.